there and welcome to Film Raw here on Twitch, on Bonkers and UK's Twitch channel. Hello, it has just gone 7.30 here. It is Wednesday the 2nd <laughs> of September and welcome to another live instalment of the podcast show. It's the place where we digest the latest movie news and movie reviews. I am, of course, your host, Ian Bolton, and I am joined, as always, by my cinematic partner in crime. It is Christian R. Allen. Good afternoon. It's evening, actually. Oh, it is, really, yeah. Yes. Yeah, good yeah. evening. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. How are you doing? I'm thinking of changing my name. Okay, to what? <laughs> Cinema Goff. Well, you've got the pastel colours at the moment, I'm so I don't pastel, know how it works. I'm I don't know how it's going to work. I'm a pastel goff, right? These are my work clothes. This is the last time I'll be wearing shorts for this show because it is now, I went outside and it is officially autumn. Okay. And um, yeah, so you lovely viewers, you get to see my beautiful hairy knees. They are awfully hairy. There's more hair on my knee than your entire body. It's like a Brillo pad. (laughs) (laughs) Is it as comfortable as a Brillo pad? I'm not sure. I don't want to even, I don't want to even go there in terms of question. We can go there, I don't mind. So it's a film show and we're already talking about hairy legs. It's a, it's, it's a sign of things <laughs> hey, whoa, to come. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Beautiful hairy legs. Oh, fair enough, beautiful Excuse hairy legs. Eggs. But of course we are on Twitch, so do let us know what you've been watching this weekend. Have you been to the cinema to see Tenet? Have you seen The New Mutants? Or have you been watching some really good films on Netflix, on Amazon? Let us know in the chat. We'll read out a few comments later on if I, we have them. I thought you were asking me. And I, well, you, you knew that I'd seen those films because we were reviewing them. Yes, yes. We'll be, talk, we'll be talking about those films later on. But obviously... We start off every show, as we do, with our cinematic wig. Now, I, now usually <laughs> I would have the up. screen. Usually I would have the screen. We'll be ready to, we'd be ready to go with all different film posters. But because we haven't done this for about two or three weeks, the, the list is ridiculously long. <laughs> so um, I think we're limiting each other to, what, ten minutes? Ten yeah, minutes, give or sh- take? Do, did, you, did you just want to run down what you'd watched and give a brief... Uh, I, I, I can do. I, I, I can do. Okay. I mean, it's like this is why things like Letterbox is really handy for film fans. <laughs> we're not but, sponsored by Letterbox. We're not sponsored by Letterbox. But if Letterbox are listening and they want to throw some money, get yeah, in touch. Yeah, yeah, get in touch. Anyway, let's uh, let's crack on. Uh, shall I go first for my cinematic week? Yeah. Are you going to read the whole list out, or we're going to jump back and forth? Uh, I'll do. I'll do two because I can do two in one in one go. On. And then we'll, we'll go back and forth. But yes, we'll try not to spend too long on this and we'll move over to some very important news very, very soon. But uh, yes, uh, I've recently watched the OSS 117 series with Jean de Jardin. Now, this was uh, this was the kind of... Now, this is a French spoof film. Uh, it's based on a very popular French franchise in France. Uh, obviously, because it's French. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> not Germany. No, not Germany. Oh, but no. The o- Sorry. The, the, the OSS 117 series is basically French's, France's equivalent of James Bond. Um, pretty <laughs> much. tongue in cheek by yeah, the films of it. But these films by Jean de Jardin, um, who he stars as the, as the epitomous secret agent, um, this is more of a tongue-in-cheek satirical take of the Sean Connery Bond era give or take um so two films he did uh caro nessa spies in 2006 and basically he's sent to cairo to investigate the disappearance of a, of a fellow agent who is has a cover story of running a chicken farm in cairo and he just instead of actually focusing on his mission he decides to be more in, more invested in the chicken farm itself 
and all the other bits and pieces going on around him rather than the actual mission of spies and Nazis and all that sort of stuff. And it's, I kind of feel like they are the films Johnny English should have been yeah. to a degree because it's like, Dijarjan, he's like, yes, he's a spy, but he's such an ignorant, arrogant, idiotic imbecile at times. It's like you kind of cringe at really awkward moments of when he's clearly being very wrong about something like religion or something like that. But then you kind of you kind of laugh when he gets his comeuppance so, a little bit. So it's kind of like it's David Brent as Inspector Clouseau. Clouseau. Yeah, but a lot more charming, I suppose. Yeah. In a French, a French comedic genre, because Jordan Chardin won uh, the Oscar for The Artist. Mm. Uh, really, really good. And um, OSS 117, Lost in Rio, which came out a few years later. I mean, it came out about 2008, 2009, just before he started in work on The, Oscar, on the Artist. I might be wrong. I do apologise. Um, basically, he goes to Rio trying to find a, a microfilm. And again discovers upon Nazis and uh, <laughs> Nazi luchador wrestlers as well. As I'm henchmen. sure that's been a gimmick in the WWE. It, it, it might have been. It might or have been. At least one territory back um, in the day. I mean, if I had more time, I would I would probably gush a lot more. But if you, if you wanted to make it a bit more sharper than Johnny English, check them out. They are definitely worth watching. So those are my first two on my What We've Watched. What have you got? Uh, my, my first two of the films I've watched last week are very similar in tone. It's uh, Flags of Our Fathers and uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Oh yeah, so 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 we're going back to the uh, we're going back to the World War Two. Well, yeah, well, the last film I spoke about was um, um, Letters from Iwo Jima. Yeah, and so uh, Flags of Our Fathers is the companion piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't do as well critically and commercially in the states as uh, the Japanese film, which is interesting. Mm. Um, it's I think if Flags is a five star movie, then, uh, sorry, if if Iwo Jima is a five star movie, then this is a four star movie. There's, okay, there is there is a noticeable drop. I don't want to say in quality because it's still a fine movie and it's definitely worth your time. Um, and it's it's very good at portraying the sort of the psychological impact of war on soldiers afterwards, mm-hmm. and particularly these soldiers, the way they were used mm. um, as propaganda pieces, basically to okay. encourage more bonds in the war and the sort of the, the toll that took on them, where they're, they're being removed from the conflict and you know their their brethren at arms are being slaughtered. So it's mm. it's a very good film and it works well as a companion piece. But Let Us Do Jima is is um, objectively a better war movie. Okay. Um, and then Hacksaw Ridge, which, as I watched it, I hadn't realised was a Mel Gibson production. And halfway... He, isn't he Oscar nominated for this one? Yeah, yeah, the, and rightly so. I think... I, right. I think it might be better than Saving Private Ryan. I think it's one of the most outstanding movies I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> that's Ian's... That's Ian's shot face That's there. That's a bold claim explain have, have you seen it i have not seen hacksaw ridge no so andrew garfield plays a i've, I've forgotten his name of um this is the problem of russian for these films <laughs> uh real life um if you want to search for me the name of the character because it's okay. like disrespectful um in real the first uh, recipient of the medal of honor who happened to be a conscientious objector so he signed up uh, he signed up to partake in the war because he felt that he, c- he couldn't let his country down his name uh, his name, for those interested, is Desmond Doss. Yes, Desmond Doss. Thank you. Um, that would have really annoyed me all the way through the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Desmond Doss, as portrayed by Andrew Garfield, it comes across, uh, is, is one of the bravest, most inspiring characters in the history of film. Mm. And you read about the real figure, and what the real person did was even crazier um, even braver, but mm. they t- Mel Gibson toned his life story down a bit because he thought it was a bit too unbelievable. Okay. Basically, he was a conscientious objector, signed up to war, um, and refused to hold a gun. 
Mm-hmm. He was persecuted by his own uh, his own soldiers, his own sergeant. Uh, he had a hell of a time. <laughs> and the film's kind of it's it's similar to Full Metal Jacket. And it's like the first mm. half is the training. Vince Vaughn plays the sergeant, and he's like, uh, yeah, he's excellent. He's really good in it. Like, it just pops up. Oh, it's yeah. Vince Vaughn. Oh, Vince Vaughn. Um, Andrew Garfield, he, he totally stole the show. And Hugo Weaving is in there as well, playing his father. Oh, yeah. Um, he also suffering the psychological scar- scars from the First World War. But yeah, basically, the, Andrew Garfield's character, he would run through battlefields unarmed as the Japanese are, like, massacring them and pick up as many of his fellow countrymen and some of the enemy as possible mm-hmm. <laughs> and rescue he, he rescued countless soldiers who were left for dead oh, and wow. um, yeah it's just uh, it's emotionally overpowering and inspiring piece it's, I think it's Mel Gibson's best work by far I think it's okay. better than Braveheart um, I, I do I, I, after through the film I was like this feels like a Mel Gibson movie because it's got the, the, the violence is so visceral mm. he's very good at capturing the, the mm. horror of warfare um, yeah I, I would recommend that and for some reason might go into my next two movies we just stuck to um, war specifically the have Vietnam you, have you War got, have, you, have you got an obsession before we carry on with your oh, next yeah, yeah, before we carry on with your next one if I can just ask you just to move your little microphone across so it's a bit more central to you because when you're talking to me at the moment it's just how does that sound that... Uh, if you could just bring it a little bit further across actually sorry about it we just make, want to make sure you have the best audio experience possible do people for the really show? want to listen to me I mean, well, yeah, I'd be flattered point. if they do. But, that's, the, that's the point of the show, isn't it? Oh, probably. I thought they're just going to see me. Just they're going to play it on mute and just watch me work. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so please continue. Yeah, Apolo- so, apologies for the interruption. No, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, um, we watched the Deer Hunter and Full Metal Jacket because oh. we thought to ourselves, we're too happy right now. Especially after Hacksaw Ridge, which is a bl- bloody awful <laughs> in the best possible sense of the word. I mean, I've t- I take it you've seen those films. Uh, Full Metal, Full Metal Jacket and what was the other one? The Deer Hunter. With, uh, I've seen Full Metal Jacket. I have not seen The Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter is an interesting one. It's um, it's it's quite. Most of the film's set before and after. I think okay. There's only what, about forty minutes of the. It's three hours long, mm. but the forty-minute middle act is just thrown straight into the Vietnam War and the soldiers' experiences being prisoners of war and being forced to play Russian with that. Mm. The build-up is so slow that you kind of you get a feel. If you get more of a feel for the character and their industrial town, and it's really interesting. It's it's an interesting examination of the psychology of a soldier. And uh, Christopher Walken is particularly excellent in it. He won. Um, he won his um, Oscar for that, didn't he? I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm pretty certain he did. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised, because he is fantastic, isn't it? Oh. And De Niro as well, he's, he's also excellent. Yeah, we'll just double-check this. double-checking that. And dear Hunter, dear Hunter, dear Hunter, tell me what this is won. Tell me everything <laughs> is won. Thankfully, we have an iPad and Wikipedia. <laughs> I am the man of knowledge. This is how we keep winning pub quizzes. We just bring, <laughs> bring a phone. Use a phone. It's great. It, I mean, you get some funny looks, but you're still winning. Uh, well, carry on talking about it. I, I, uh, look into this uh, and... I, I enjoyed Deer Hunter. My partner really took to it, but I, I, I didn't quite connect to it on an emotional level. But it's definitely worth your time if you haven't seen it. Um, and but I love Full Metal Jacket. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Stanley Kubrick mark anyway. And the, the drill sergeant just he floors me every time he goes on his like mad rants. And I, I believe I believe the drill sergeant was at a real drill sergeant who Stanley Kubrick just unleashed on these poor actors. <laughs> uh, just to go back to the Deer Hunter, just okay. briefly, uh, he did win the Oscar for Best Point Actor for the Deer Hunter. Right, and probably rightly so, to be honest. Like, um, yeah, um, so watch the Deer Hunter, watch Full Metal Jacket. I really enjoyed those films. I, I mean, I've seen Full Metal Jacket countless mm. times. 
I'm pretty certain we watched it during university studies. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because it's effectively two movies in one. It's the training and then there's the war. Yeah, there's a Do you find the training more disturbing than the warfare scenes? Because I do. Yeah, I think... they're not easy scenes, either of them. I would say the training is is not is the unpleasant part the war i mean this i mean there's quite a lot of vietnam wars that deal with the horrors of the war in its own self i mean the one of the latest ones is uh, the five bloods yeah uh, which i watched very visceral very powerful um great performances all around including the late chadwick Boseman, who we will be talking about very shortly um but yeah i think i think this is sometimes i think we've talked about this before on the show where we where we get oversaturated with a lot of war stuff mm. and it's and it's and that's not a bad thing. Obviously, these are big events that we need to know about. We need and to it, understand and we need to have those for prosperity. And we need to understand our history for moving forward. They just lend themselves to the cinematic medium anyway as well. It, yeah, they, and they do lend themselves to the cinematic medium. But I think sometimes for every for every formal jacket, for every uh, Saving Private Ryan and so forth, we get countless other films that are just not necessarily hitting the mark or just kind of... The pretend they're copycats. They are copycats uh, in a sense. And it's basically... The ones that I think deal with it from an interesting angle and deal with it in a more um, thought-provoking manner, they become the the films that have the lasting legacy. Mm, if no, that makes sense. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I, I think the films I mentioned they they fall into those categories. Mm. What's your next two? Next two. Uh, well, um, well, we did Superman three last time we did the oh, video podcast. Gonna, oh no! I'm going to briefly touch on Superman four: oh. the quest for peace. The quest for peace. <laughs> The quest for peace. Did we talk about this on the phone? Didn't you say you preferred this to free? Shockingly, I actually do prefer this to free, and I'm going to explain why. One, it's a decent length. It's 90 minutes. It's only 90 minutes? Yeah. Is it because they run out of money from, like, Possibly. Run out of film? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's 90 minutes. The storyline is a Superman film. It is a Superman story at its heart. It is yeah. because the basic the basic plot line for those who haven't dared go near the quest for peace. Um, basically, Superman decides to put his foot into like world politics and tries to make the world a better place by taking out nuclear weapons, all that sort of stuff. But then, obviously, Lex Luthor, once again played by Gene Hackman, breaks out of prison and thinks, you know what? I'm going to use this nuclear weapon stuff to kind of create my own superhero and dominate the uh, dominate the nuclear power market, all that sort of stuff. Yep, yep. But the fact is, at least despite the fact that there are there are some there's still some odd things here i mean it's like the nuclear man has the voice of lex luthor and it's very very weird um there's the weird corporate takeover of the of the daily planet which is kind of like a subplot because you have the the new owner's daughter having a thing for clark but then but then superman has a thing for there's some very awkward sort of romantic comedy escapade halfway through the film not really that great but in a 90 minute film in a 90 minute film um but the final matter is, my problem with Superman 3, and I talked about it when we did, did this in the last episode, the problem is, it didn't feel like a Superman film, it felt like a Richard Pryor film. Yeah, it was. It was a vehicle for him, absolutely. And this, and this feels a lot more like a Superman film. But does that mean it's necessarily good? <laughs> it's not great, and you kind of get the whole sort of, there is a preachy aspect to it, I guess, hopefully, probably with the whole nuclear war thing, and John saying, think about the children, all that sort of stuff. Um... But that, but yeah, me saying it's better than free is not like it's a five star film. It's still <laughs> quite terrible. They they use the same sort of they use the same sort of Superman flying towards the camera technique over and over and over again. So it's like now imagine that twenty times in the film when Superman needs to fly, 
the same cut. It's the same cut. It is the absolute same cut. <laughs> it, it just it just shows how poor the special effects are. What uh, special effects? Yeah, they they clearly didn't have a budget for them. What did you think when Nuclear Man was born <laughs> in his costume with no explanation as to how this actually happened? Is, I mean, didn't this happen? It, I know it didn't happen in the comic books, but I'm sure there've been superheroes that have just been born and had like oh, yes, costumes. But, I mean, the pro- I mean, yeah, it's. It, I could appreciate you enjoying it more than free, but what I would contrast it with, and with free as well, the decline from one, <laughs> yeah, to four, yeah, it's not good. Shocking. <laughs> shocking. It's, how do you go from what is still arguably one of the greatest comic book movies of all time, yeah, to that? <laughs> I don't know, but at least it was short, and I. It wasn't like I was sort of looking at my phone. I didn't really message you that much during Superman 4. Because you were entertained. Because I was entertained and just kind of going, this is rubbish. But you know what? I'm enjoying it for the rubbishness that it is. (laughs) So Superman 4, uh, let's quickly touch upon Jumanji Next Level, um, part of Family Movie Watch Night. It's an okay sequel. I think the fact of the matter is no one expected Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle to be any good it was fun it was fun I, I've it never was, had the urge to rewatch it yeah it, it's fun it's enjoyable but it was kind of like they were just going back to the well for this one obviously they bring along Danny DeVito and uh, Danny Glover which helps which which sort of makes it a little bit fun but again it's it's more or less the same it's the same sort of premise complete the game win and it's just a tired rehash. If, yeah it, it is partially a tired rehash there's some little bits in there that do work and I do like but overall it is more of the same, and that's a great thing if you really, really love Jumanji. But for me, it's kind of like it's uh, all right. We'll carry on, <laughs> carry on with everything. But anyway, let's. Uh, you got you got a couple more films to go. Uh, I've got eight more films oh. to go. <laughs> How many? <laughs> Do you want to get? I mean, uh, sorry, I went on, went on a bit of a De Niro binge, and I watched the four-hour cut of Once Upon a Time in America, C.H. Leone's epic final Marty, um, film before his death. I do have a question for you. Yeah. Did you watch it all in one go, or did you have to take breaks? I, of course I had to take breaks. <laughs> no, my bladder. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, it's, it's really sad knowing about it, because the film was, uh, when the film debuted, I believe it debuted at Cannes, um, oh no, it might have been the Venice Film Festival. Um, but anyway, when it deb- debuted in Europe, um, mm. it was uncut to acclaim. Mm. The American uh, studio got hold of it, cut it by two hours, mm. resequenced the film in chronological order, and turned it into basically a boring, <laughs> really kind of. <laughs> I don't know. It's so strange because it was it was a box office <laughs> bomb, and like and critics didn't like it. It was only since, in the last ten years since DV- basically the DVD cut. So. So basically, they just looked at the film and spent this is it's like, I don't want to go back and forth with time. I just want something nice. I want something simple, something for the four hours. Here we I, go. I can't imagine watching the film <laughs> as described because, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's long, but some films need to be long. It's, yeah. it's, it is an epic. It's no, there's no real, there's no wasted scenes. Mm. Um, and in fact, that there's apparently there's even more footage that's been recently discovered. So there'll be another 24 minutes oh. one day. When oh, we get the, four and a half hours. Yeah, Wonderful. when we get no. <laughs> It was not as bad as like um, uh, Glad's Abel's Napoleon. Fair <laughs> Which is like, that was, I think that was like nearly 12 hours at one point. Oh, bloody hell. I think it only survives as five. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, it's very good. It is, you do need to um, take a break or two. I mean, there was an intermission. They've kept it on the Blu-ray. Which is nice. <laughs> well, they, they, they had the intermission on like Godfather Part 2 and it went, intermission. I carry on. Well, I guess because you can pause it. I mean, the greatest intermission of all time is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. 
mm. timed perfectly so that people have gotten up and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> sticking with De Niro, we watched Taxi Driver. Oh, yes. Uh, current, according to Watch Mojo, the best psychological thriller of all time. Mm, I mean, I, I, I watched it as a teenager. Mm. I didn't really get it. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm no- the same with you on that one. Yeah. I, I watched it and I thought, what's the big deal about this? Yeah. I haven't watched it for a long time and I probably do need to revisit it. I think the similarities to the Joker might put me off a little bit, I uh, guess. I mean, you can tell the Joker is derivative of Taxi Driver. Yeah. That, I mean, more, not rip-off, I'd say, but definitely homage. Mm. Um, they, are diff- they are different movies, though. And okay. I, I, I re-evaluating this as a, as a 30-year-old, I... I I appreciate this film so much more. It's now, it's, it's maybe in my top 10 of all time. I really took to this and I would really recommend it. It's, it's strange watching Robert De Niro it being so uncomfortable. Just his, his character, um, is Travis Baxter or something like that? Yeah. So some Travis Bickle. Bickle, thank you. I think Travis Baxter is a member of Blink-182. Possibly. I don't know. Uh, I haven't watched Kerrang in 20 years. A lot of film fans might have just spat out their coffee. (laughs) I haven't watched Taxi Drivers for 15 years, and I've only just rewatched it. Listen, listen, fanboys, I think it's excellent, so don't hate me. Don't hate me. The Blu-ray, by the way, the quality of the picture was pristine. Like, it looked great. So they've, so they've done a, whoever done it. Is that done, 4K or standard blue? Just standard blue. I don't oh, think okay. it's been a 4K yet. And I, I, st- I stuck, we stuck on the, um, do you want to name a couple more? Because I've got so many films. Um, well, I can whittle through. Do you want to whittle through yours? And I'll just list what I've watched and then you could pick up any films you've Okay, discuss. cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, I watched, um, what was it? We I finished off the uh, DC animated you with uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Basically, it's the last film of like like a 20 block film group of um what should we call it dc animations because they they always they they've gone into a pan of just having the same animations type and the same sort of voice cast and so forth like that so this is like the big payoff and basically the premise behind it is superman leads an assault on apocalypse on his apocalypse planet or whatever it is and for <laughs> no dark side dark side sorry come with it fans <laughs> dark hey side. warner brothers don't even know the difference anymore uh, true. um so yeah, Superman needs an assault on Darkseid. However, Darkseid knows they're coming and brutally massacres at least three quarters of them. This is a 15-rated film and there are some very graphic deaths in this. Um, and then we pick up the f- film about two years later. Darkseid's taken over Earth, but a small band of people are still fighting against him. Uh, Superman, who's had all his powers drained and became mortal. Uh, Raven, who's still trying to fight off a demon dad. Constantine, <laughs> who is just wanting to get pissed and just enjoy he's, the end of the world. He's meant to be the highlight of this film. Yeah, yeah. Well, they bring they bring in Matt Ryan, who who played Constantine for the short-lived live-action film. Uh, not live-action film, live-action series. series. Yeah. yeah, film was, uh, uh, was Keanu, wasn't he? Um, and then he sort of, he's been popping up in things like Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and so forth. So basically, if anything has John Constantine, they just go back, come, voice. Okay. <laughs> uh, I hear he's a lovely guy. Um, so yeah, so basically they just have to, they, they attempt to try and, uh, correct everything and it's kind of it's kind of the end of that universe and resetting it in a, in a way I suppose it's it's alright I'm looking forward to some of the newer stuff that's coming out like um, Man of Tomorrow Superman it's it's looking at like Superman Year Zero or Year One so like the first year of him being Superman so the animation style is bright it's vibrant it's different um, and there's also Batman Death in the Family which if you get it on Blu-ray it's this weird interactive movie which it's basically you can do. You basically get the chance to relive the death in the family storyline as a comic book reader. Oh, you, you get can to vote for you Robin. can de- you can decide whether or not Jason Todd 
is blown up and butchered by the Joker, or he just do you, it's saved. Do you think the, the DC at the time thought that the fans would vote for his death? No, well, it was only like a small margin, wasn't it? Like a couple hundred votes. Was it that? Yeah. Ooh. It was very, very marginal. But without that, you wouldn't get stories such as, I think, Under the Red Hood, which mm. is one of the better DC animated films. If you have a chance to go watch that. I was sort of thinking of um, um, uh, Return of the Joker, Batman Beyond. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's like mm. very excellent. But yeah, those, but, yeah those, those two DC films look more interesting. I've had, like, middling success with the DC animated universe in that way. Yes, they seem to be quite hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also watched a Simpsons movie. Good man. Um, we visited this after I saw it for the first time in cinema. I thought there was something wrong with my TV because I forgot the first bits in like really squinty box size because <laughs> they, they have an itchy and scratchy cartoon and then it sort of goes up to full widescreen. I was kind of thinking, is this something wrong with my TV again? Or they messed up the aspect <laughs> ratio again. Um, no, uh, this this was nice. I, I think... It's definitely the best episode in the last 20 years. It's but. Be- Basically, it's better than most of the current Simpsons stuff at the moment. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. You okay? Oh, sorry, I'm just looking at some of the comments. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, where was I? Yeah, it's better than some of the... It's better than Modern some, Simpsons is rubbish, that's what you were saying. Yeah, Modern Simpsons was rubbish. It was better, it was better than some of that. Um, there's some, the story's a bit so-so, though. It still feels like it's an extended episode. Yeah. There's little bits and pieces I do like. I like Albert Brooks doing... Um, I like Albert Brooks reappearing again. I think it would be nice if it was Hank Scorpio, though. Well, you know why it's not Hank Scorpio? Because it was meant to be, apparently. Apparently it was meant to be Hank Scorpio as the antagonist. Then they realised he wouldn't be a dick to Homer. Ah, okay. So that's why they created a new character for him, even though it's clearly meant to be Hank Scorpio. Like, Mm. my favourite part is um, just... um, just Rainier Wolfcastle, now just called President Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes, that is me. It's the best bit of the film. That is me. I, I, it was a weird matter. It was like for six months after that film, people would not stop quoting Spider Pig. Or Harry <laughs> oh, Plopper. God, Spider Pig. Yeah. Spider Pig, <laughs> Spider Pig. Oh, the God. worst thing about the film, actually, is I was working as an usher at Cineworld whilst doing a film school, and there's that little bit from Squeaky Voice Teen in the end credits where he's mm. cleaning the popcorn, and he goes, four years for film school for this. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> You've become that person. Oh, that joke's at my expense. You have become <laughs> that person. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think some of the movies are okay. I mean, it was nice to revisit it after a long while, but, again, it's something I wouldn't necessarily go out of the way to watch over and over and over again. Unless you like The Simpsons. Unless you really like The Simpsons, yeah. Um, I think some of the guest spots are good. Tom Hanks is great. Oh, Tom, the, the Tom Hanks spot is amazing. That, um, please, leave me alone. Please, leave me be. <laughs> Give my hair a tussle, Tom Hanks. Okay. <laughs> All that sort of stuff. Um, Green Day, oh, good And there, well. there are some... There are some subtle character moments that I do like. I like the sort of ultimatum Marge gives Homer towards the end of the film taping over the marriage video yeah. a little bit. I like that so much. For once, I was kind of thinking, oh, wow, they're actually sort of moving forward. They're actually being a little bit more... Um, they're being a bit more thoughtful about developing these characters. No, no, everything goes back to normal. <laughs> well, it is a Simpsons. That is Simpsons. Everything just goes back to There's normal. There's even an episode I watched recently where Lisa... Um, oh, it's um, Homer, Homer's best friend where he befriends Ned. It's got that wonderful Terminator 2 chase. The oh, golf he's gaining, Dad. He's and gaining. of course, the, the, the bush scene where he just emerges out of it. And um, there's a, Lisa, it's a, uh, Bart's worried about it, and Lisa goes, like, Don't worry, I find that um, after a week or so, 
everything kind of resets and we go on a new crazy adventure. <laughs> I am paraphrasing. I'm not quoting it specifically, you know, exactly. But that's but, exactly what happens in The Simpsons. But yeah, that's, that's, that's American sitcoms in general yeah. and it's, it is a meta yeah. show. Um, do you want to give you a quick rundown of what I've watched? Yep, you right. go for your last round and then right. we're, we're done here. So, I watched Falling Down, You Were Never Really Here, <laughs> Gladiator, Matchstick Men, Secrets and Lies. That's amazing, by the way. I do recommend that if you haven't seen it. Instant Family, and the other guys. What would you like to talk about? Um, so, other guys. It's a really good uh, Will Fell. It's one of my. It's one of my. It's. It's not necessarily my go-to Will Fell Mark Wahlberg combination. I mean, it's the best of their combinations together. I mean, you had Daddy's Sample, You ignore that yeah, bit. Yeah. But there are certain bits because it was pretty much Adam McKay having like, uh, like a, a kind of like a dig at obviously. American business it, in it Wall Street. It felt like if he wasn't, if this didn't inspire him to do the big short, this he was, was working this was on, on. This was on the way to doing the big yeah, short. Yeah, with Steve Coogan basically being the embodiment of everything wrong with capitalism. Yeah, true. And he's great at playing a sleaze bag. <laughs> the, some of the best bits in that film is when he is when he's being interrogated by Fell and Wahlberg. Yeah, and, he, and, he, and he goes, guys, guys, do you want to know the horrible truth or do you want tickets to Mamma Mia? Oh, wicked! It's Jersey Boys. Oh, Jersey, Jersey Boys, Boys, and they go and they go to Jersey Boys, and they come back the next day. It's halfway through. It's a bribe, isn't it? It's a bribe, right? Let's go back, and then they come back and say, and then it was basically just like, okay, okay, I messed up. You were so right. Jersey Boys was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I know. I I realized there were no moments where I laughed. I, I chuckled all the way through the film. I didn't laugh loud. Mm. Um, I did find um, I thought Dwayne Johnson and Samuel Jackson were amazing but <laughs> I, I think the best the best um, secondary character was actually uh, Michael Keaton as oh the, uh, yeah he, keep, he keeps quoting TLC yes, songs he does <laughs> I know scrub like <laughs> it's just it's a transformation when he's in his second job oh, as the bed a, path a, beyond <laughs> and he accidentally starts reading police reports <laughs> like, oh, oh ignore that but you should probably don't ignore that like, just stay safe oh, wasn't it? it it's like you going goes oh and by the way there's a there's a, a known there's a known uh, murderer in the area uh, he yeah. doesn't like these sort of people so uh, just stay clear of that oh wait that's wrong file <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I keep yeah Mark Wahlberg he, he's got great comedy time oh yeah I think this was, I think this was the film a lot of people just realised hang on a minute he's quite funny well I mean in even his early like in um in Boogie Nights which I talked about a few weeks ago he's hilarious in that but there's also yeah he was good supporting Free Kings Free Kings yeah Free Kings of, yeah that's a great um, movie Pain and Gain, I think, is often not mentioned in that equation. I haven't seen it. I've heard very bad things. Pain... Because it was meant to be Michael Bay's serious drama, wasn't it? It's typical Michael Bay shenanigans, just without the big budget action sequences. So it's basically, I want to do a plot... I want to do a drama scene just with awesome explosions. (laughs) That sort of way. Um, But no, they they are... It was quite funny at times because basically um, Wahlberg Anthony Mackie and Dwayne The Rock Johnson they're all these sort of like steroid ridden uh, bodybuilders and they have come up with a plan to sort of kidnap this rich man then sort of ransom off and they kind of just go look at us we're, we're, we're peak physical specimens we we only it's like it's like the Green Berets can only uh, the Green the Green Berets or Green Marines or whatever they are they take people in less than 15 seconds we can do this in seven <laughs> But they, they, they but the problem with the film is that they're the they're the uh, protagonist, and you just can't get behind them at all. No, they're horrible people. Why would you watch horrible people do like? Oh. But I think The Rock does barbecue uh, a hand or a foot 
during the film for some reason, and it just pops up on the screen. It's like, yes, this actually happened. Oh, is it a true story? It's based on a true story. Bloody hell. I think you may need to experience it at some point. What other, what other films I watched would you like to discuss or would you like to move on? I, I think we're coming up to, we're coming up to about halfway, we're coming up to about 30 minutes in now. So I, yeah, think, cool. I, think, we've, I think we've done, we've done a good bit. But watch um, Secrets and Lies. Amazing film, mm-hmm. like from Mike Lee. Also, um, You Were Never Really Here. Very good as well. I hear good things about that. Yeah. Uh, is that Lynn Ramsey? Yes. Yeah, I'm Phoenix, um, yeah. After um, uh, we need to talk about Kevin, which um, I will never watch that film again. It was excellent, but I'm never watching it again. <laughs> oh. Cannot deal with that emotional trauma. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you were never really here. I'll, I'll probably revisit a few times. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and as always, do let us know what you've been watching and what do you think of the films we've been covering so far in the Twitch chat. We would love to hear from you. Right, let's move on to some news, shall we? And it's not it's not good news to be honest. It's bloody awful. It's, I'm it's, still processing it to be honest. Well, it's the ones you, it's the one you really can't escape at the moment. And uh, let's bring it up on the screen here. Yeah, it's it is the passing of Chadwick Boseman who passed away. Uh, I think last last Friday. Friday, yes. Uh, at the age of forty three, uh, due to colon cancer. He the the basic thing was he was diagnosed with this back in twenty sixteen, uh, but he did not reveal this this was never public i think a lot of a lot of people did not know about this until his passing well that that means he he played so he was t'challa um all the way while suffering from this terrible he was, de- disease he was i think i, uh, I mean that the, the physical strain that kind of role would put on someone who isn't suffering from cancer is incredible mm. so the, the the fact that he was able to do that shows just the sheer tenacity of this person like how incredible is that grit i mean the fact is he, he was diagnosed with um, I'm just reading from the statement his family gave yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chadwick was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer in 2016 and battled with it for these last four years as it progressed to stage 4 um, so I think Civil War was 2016 that's 16 yeah yeah so I think it must have filmed just before that one that particular film must have filmed just before diagnosis I might be wrong it, it, no one no the, the, one the, the, yeah. no one knows but it's but then but certainly but, that's but Black you, Panther the two Avengers movies and then you, you've got 21 yeah. Bridges and um, yeah 21 Bridges as well. as well I mean yeah so from Marshall to the Five Bloods August Wilson Mar Rainey's Black Bottom and several more that's, all, that's upcoming that's, that's a, upcoming yeah. from Netflix uh, as well as Black Panther as well and even the Infinity War Endgame things all were filmed during and between counter surgeries and chemotherapy that's mad I mean, like, is, what, I mean, what a truly inspiring and brave human being. Yeah. I, d- I don't know what kind of state I'm... I, would, I don't know if I could function barely as a human being if I got a diagnosis mm. like that. And I think, we, I think we've talked on other Bunkerzilla bits and pieces about Black Panther in particular, but Black Panther was, was something. Yeah, it, it was it, an it's, absolute it's beyond a movie. It's, it's yeah. a moment. Mm. It's an actual cultural moment. It was so important for, for so many, like, young um, African-Americans, just, like... And even beyond that, it's just a really, really good film. I, it's one of my favourite in the MCU, and like, um, um, I think it's right to get the Oscar nomination. Um, I just, um, yeah, I just, um, I didn't quite, just didn't quite process it. it was I, the, the last time I felt this way about a celebrity death? Uh, was probably it was probably Heath Ledger, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, Heath Ledger passed. Just after he finished filming Dark Knight, yeah. wasn't he? And that was one. That was someone again. Not many people saw coming. I mean, even like Paul Walker, yeah, for Paul Walker in the Fast and Furious again. That's 
someone you don't really expect. Well, just the the, the prime of their career, mm. and then, and going back to um, Chadwick Boseman, like just mm. just those incredible films, those incredible performances he was able to do in such short amount of time. I just I feel like I mean, obviously, what he's been, you know, his family's been cheated from, you know, a, a husband, a father. Um, but, the, you know, which is obviously the worst thing about this, but the, the world has also, like, been cheated out of what should have been decades' worth of great performances, mm. like, um, more inspiring. Like, he would have just gotten better and better. I mean, he already was... I don't think he's given a bad performance, or he gave a bad performance in his life. I mean, um, I'm just looking at some of his roles here. Of he's played a lot of real life figures. Mm. Uh, Jackie Robinson in 42. Yes. Uh, the film I really need to go out and see uh, at some point in the next couple of days. Uh, Get on up when he's playing James Brown. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear re- to see that. As I, well. hear, I hear really good things about that one as well. Uh, Twenty One Bridges is a good cop thriller. It's a, it's a nice short cop thriller as well. It's only like an hour and forty, but he's a really good lead in that. Um, we've talked about the Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. He's really really good. Again, it's a very small role, and it, it makes a lot more sense why it's a very small role now. I guess. Yeah, it's it's strange because it, it was oddly enough, um, um, there've been rumours for months that um, he he was being dropped as a Black Panther the actual mm. character and it was going to be replaced by his um, the younger sister character mm. um, and I, it was interesting seeing the kind of the uh, Twitter outrage um, in hindsight it kind of it makes if that's the direction it's, they're going to go down it makes sense it, it's, a, it's a conversation that obviously Marvel will need to make I it's just at this time it's probably not the best time there is a pub, there was a publication which I was that, that, I was, was, going, that was the I'm point not, I was going to go to yes. which I'm not going to mention because it's, it, I don't want to give them much attention to it well, we but, won't name them but but, uh, but there was at least one well-known uh, movie website that decided to <laughs> do an article about what happens now that Chadwick Boseman's died and it's like and this <laughs> within this, this, minutes and this was man. this was within this was like within a few hours of his passing yeah. being announced and it's like that is completely the wrong time and place and because people were still people were still processing grief people are still processing still how they I, feel. I just, it, it kind of it's just so strange that he's no longer with us yeah. I mean, it's because you, I mean, it's through the characters you form these bonds with these performers because they're able to realise them. And I, I, I love the Black Panther character. Mm. Really, really fell in love with that character. And just to know that, that you know, we're not going to get anything more like that. It's just really sad. Yeah. I just like I know. I just I just I was just just a bit heartbroken and numb as, as with the rest of the world. I, I remember I woke up on Friday. I woke up a little bit early, about five or six a.m. And I checked my I checked my phone. And then it's like I saw the first, I saw like the family statement being the first thing, and I kind of went, "What?" I just kept seeing uh, clips from the film retweeted all day. I was like, before I kind of real in that morning before yeah. I realised what was happening or had happened. And it's kind of like, again, another thing is, it's unfortunately, it's the whole advent of things like fake news and stuff like that is obviously when something gets published, you want to double check this is right because well, why would you want this to be right? No, I don't. You obviously don't want this yeah, to be yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's kind of like you you want to make sure it. It's a fa- it's fake or something yeah, like that. Exactly. So the moment I saw that, I just immediately just went to BBC News and so on, and it was like the main story. And it's like, oh, and it's like it really, it really just, it's really stunning. It, it, well, it's not stunning. It's stunning in the wrong way, but it's just, it oh, just it's, it's, it's stunning with all the wrong reasons. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, Mark Ruffalo, who plays the Hulk, said uh, tragedies and massing this year have only been made more profound by his death. Mm. Uh, Tom Holland who played Spider-Man called uh, Bozeman a role model for millions around the world uh, Chris Evans and Chris Emsworth said they're heartbroken by his death um, but yeah there were, there were lots and lots of 
there are tons of tributes and I think I think every I think I think every Marvel fan was was shocked by this. And one of the classiest things as well, uh, which I noticed on, on Twitter, and I think a lot of people did as well, is even DC Comics mm. shared in the loss as well. It's like they they acknowledge how monumental the passing mm. is, or quite what an impact Chadwick Boseman's had. Yeah. It was the um, it was the images of um, young kids, uh, yeah. young African-Americans, like arranging funerals for their action figures. With like, have you seen any of these pictures? I have not, no. Oh, it's... it's it's so sad, man. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, like, um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, what a legacy to leave behind, though. Mm. It's, what a legacy it was, that, despite dying at such a, like, awful young age. I mean, mm. yeah, I just I just can't help feeling what what the world's been, the world's uh, had uh, been cheated out of a bright light there. Yeah. Absolutely. And he seems like such a genuine, lovely person he, he, as well. He, there's, I mean, there's lots of things that have gone around the internet. Um, I think it's uh, Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one of the two. Um, it was the whole setup where they brought in people who had watched Black Panther and who... Do adored, Denzel Washington. And adored, yeah, I'll mention Denzel in a second. But they were sort of talking about how much of an impact Black Panther as a hero on a cinema screen meant to them. And mm. he was just there to say, hello. He just just pop out and say, "Oh, hello! Thanks for seeing some nice things." And it, was, it was generally, it was generally a lovely thing to see. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well, you mentioned about Denzel Washington. Um, I only, again, this is one of the stories you pick up after after such tragic news. Is like Denzel Washington paid for his edu- for for his education to Oxford yeah. or contributed to the cost towards Oxford. Yeah. Well, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's. I mean, mm. I like um yeah, and uh, Denzel Washington talking about Black Panther and how you know the how that impacted him as well so strange full circles yeah here. yeah but no i'm i'm yeah I'm, I'm exactly with you i was just kind of numb and heartbroken that day and i still i still can't quite mm. just don't think yeah, don't yeah. Think the world's gonna get over this one yeah so yeah, um, yeah so, let's raise a glass w- watch black panther yeah watch black panther watch it watch any of the films that chadwick boseman mm. has shined in yeah. Um, like I said, I've already seen out of the back catalogue apart from Black Panther and the Five Bloods. I've seen Twenty One Bridges. I really want to see. I watched. I was watching trailers for the for the, some of the films like Marshall, like Forty Two, and going up. And these all Forty Two fr- looks very good. Those, those are all films that I Forty Two has Harrison Ford in that oh, as well. Really? Yeah. Um, those are fil- three films that I, I probably would find some time to watch in the next coming week or so. Mm. It will be it will be nice to it will be nice to revisit them obviously to celebrate the talent that's sadly been lost. So um, yeah, that's that's the only news topic we have. I mean, it's it is the big it is the big movie news that we we cannot avoid and and we have to pay respects here. All I have for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones too. Use it carefully. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm again here. No. Something worse. I gather you have an interest a certain Russian national. Mike's bring me in. You really want to know? 
He can communicate with the future. Time travel? No. Inversion. Name it and pull the trigger. You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. We did the uh, we did our first thoughts podcast this time last week. We were doing our first thoughts podcast, and we both agreed that we need to go see it again. Have you managed to go see it again? No. <laughs> one thing, one one job, Christian. Well, I, one job. I promised to take my partner. It's her thirtieth birthday in like a week's time, oh, so I'm, I'm going to take it to see it again then. But I, I've I've been mulling the film over in okay. my head, and I've been rereading it. And blind. so I, I, yeah, my my opinions have settled. There we go. Let's have some images from Tenant there. Some look, handsome men there. Look, look at the handsome John David Washington and Robert Patterson. Look at them on spy missions all across the world. They're both tens out of ten. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, this film is basically John David Washington plays a man simply known as the protagonist, and he's <laughs> and after after foiling a well after taking part in a dangerous operation, he is recruited into a secret organization and given one word and one word only. Tenant. And from there, he discovers that the world might be at stake and he must consult things like... It's very hard for me to describe this film. I think you can tell right now. Basically. <laughs> Basically, there's time, a line. Timey-wimey. 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 Ever watch Backwards, the series free opener for Red Dwarf? That with a $100 million budget. I'm pretty certain it's probably $200 million budget. That with a $200 million budget. <laughs> I don't think the entire budget of Red Dwarf's 30-year history comes even close to like half a oh million quid, Lord. let alone. Uh, oh, Lord. But, um, yeah, we, we, we've we talked about it last week. I mean, we were talking about initial impressions. And I think one of the key things is you can... I think I found out... I, I was probably overwhelmed by the spectacle of it all last week. Mm. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I think visually, this is still a great film. I think in terms of the old practicality of the, of the special effects and so forth, there are some really, really good bits here. Really, really good bits. Um, I did manage to see a second, a second time. Um, a second time round was a lot more... I think second time round, I enjoyed it just as much because now I had an idea of the story. I had an idea of how the law and the universe works. So the whole thing about time inversion become when it becomes pivotal plot, you kind of having watched it once, you kind of you can kind of go, right, this character is going forward through time. This character might be going backwards through time and so forth. And I think that gives a better appreciation of the logistics of the film. Um and yeah, I, I still find it really I still found it really enjoyable. I think John David Washington's a very good charismatic lead. Robert Patterson is really, really good in this as well. Yeah, I, I think he, he excels in terms um, of performances. We talked about this on the first on the first What's podcast, which you can listen to on all good podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify right now. Um yeah, even Kenneth Brano is very, very terrified in this. Um Elizabeth Becky does some really nice uh, is, I, f- I think she gives a uh I think she gives a good she gives a she gives a good performance with what she's given because it's it when you look back and you think about it she she's playing the estranged wife of Kenneth Branagh's villain and basically she's she is technically it's a damsel in distress role in a way isn't yeah it? no it absolutely yeah. is yeah. which is a bit of a Nolan um, uh, mm. what's the word trope trope thank you yeah it's yeah. a Nolan trope. Uh, so but I think she was she was definitely a bit more of a fleshed out character than some previous yeah. 
sort of like yeah, absolutely um, yeah I, th- I think some female characters in Christopher Nolan movies are a bit window dressing to be honest mm. um, which is a shame but like, I still I'm still a huge fan of his and I, I, I really I thinking about this I'm not sure if I rate this as highly as I did when it came out I feel like this film didn't really connect to me on an emotional level the same way as say Inception did because mm. with Inception it still had the, the grand spectacle yeah. which sucked you in um, and it was just like overpowering at times but you, you def- for some reason with Inception and I can't put my finger on it why I just took to those characters more mm-hmm. um, and that's like, that's not a criticism of the characters at all I, I think it might be I just might not have found the motivations throughout this as compelling because it is a little bit this is a little bit this is the most James Bond-esque of Christopher Nolan's movies uh, yeah, it is very it is kind of a bit too convoluted in terms of the stakes mm. Because if you look at a film like Dark Knight, what I like about Dark Knight is that the stakes are not... It's, it's not particularly grandiose. It's not end-of-the-world kind of stuff. It's mm. a few hundred lives on a boat. So, yeah, yeah. yeah and that, that, I find that those kind of things more impactful. Or of Inception, it is, it's um, DiCaprio's character's yeah. life. And it, it's a bit more... Yeah, there's, there's a bit more to get behind on an emotional level with this the 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 grand scheme of things was just a bit too abstract and that's that's excluding the time travel element Mm. i I, in terms of as being a sci-fi fan i thought that this is one of the better time traveling movies Mm. um oddly enough it's it's similar in some respects not just to backwards the red dwarf episode have you ever seen that before I think I have seen it. I don't remember it. It's it's one of my favourites. Basically, they they get they think they've gone in the past, but they've actually gone in the future. So then, mm. 1987, after the bit the big crunch, so the universe mm. is now running backwards. <laughs> uh, they, they do they the main characters do a trick show by eating things forwards. Mm. So everyone else's perspective looks like they're vomiting whole foods. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, it's, it's quite similar to Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh yeah, we I think did we touch upon that on the podcast? I think bit? we talked about it beforehand, but we didn't yeah. really talk about it on the podcast. But um it, it, I would say out of all the films that attempt time travel, I, I'd put this I, I rec this is up there. Similar to Twelve Monkeys actually, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um so he uses time travel very well. I just don't think there is as much as an emotional hook as Nolan's previous movies. Mm. Uh, I know Nolan's criticised for being an unemotional filmmaker. I don't think that's true at all. I just think mm. the the way he uh, explores emotions is quite different to what we're used mm. to. They're not they're not stereotypical. They're not particularly um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not cliched, um, sickly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not not schmaltzy. Mm. That's the word, schmaltzy. There we go, schmaltzy. So, so, so I, I think I think people can be mis- can mistake a Nolan movie for being quite cold, when actually yeah. there is a lot of emotional stakes normally resonating throughout through the character journeys, and this it's just a little bit too abstract. I found. Yeah. Um, did, with, did my rant make any sense just then? <laughs> probably. Then watching Tenet for the first time, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm totally with you with the. Um, with the emotional bits, um, I think I've, I've I've had a few conversations with people online about the film already, and it, I I think there are a bit like I said in the podcast, but there are bits I think the film does spectacularly well against mm. other Nolan films, like the action set pieces. Oh, the set pieces are incredible. The I, way through. I'm I'm a big fan of those. I f- I am completely with you about the emotional part of the film. I do it. The emotional bit 
does not feel intimate. It does not feel personal like he did in Inception. Mm. You get drawn into Leonardo DiCaprio because you you want to see him go home. You you feel sorry for the guy. Yes, he's caused, he's done some very silly things to put himself in that position, but at least he's trying to find a way home and he's going against he's he's yeah. attempting there's, to a re- do there's a redemption arc there's there. a redemption arc there absolutely whereas with Tenant, you're told that a world ended event is going to happen and you don't really understand the gravity of the situation and you don't really understand the scale of the situation because everyone will talk about things like oh if if these things happen then the whole world the whole world ends it's like well can you give us a visual demonstration <laughs> or something like and, well, and, not, and not, not just that you normally I mean the films that do apocalypse scenarios very well tend to create an emotional hook by yeah. simplifying the story to something you can understand. Like take the first two Terminator movies. Yeah, it's um, it, it's Sarah Connor's journey. You are Sarah. You become Sarah Connor, mm-hmm. and then in the second film, in particular, it's not the apocalypse. It's the struggle to to, to protect her son. Mm. That's what cooks you in. Yeah, there's nothing really like this in in Tenet. No. I, I think Tenet is mostly an exercise in very good writing but it's an exercise in clever writing mm. and it's just lost it's it's lost it's um i think i think if it was setting up for because there are little things that suggest that you could do another film in this universe yeah in a sense i'm not going to spoil it but i think if they if they went down that road that would be that wouldn't that would be a good idea that well, wouldn't be a good idea i think it would be good and I think at that stage, there, there is a little bit of an emotional connect there to the to John David Washington's character. Mm. There's a little bit of an emotional connect because up until probably towards the last couple of scenes, it was just, we've got to do this job. There's no, no yeah. time to be emotions. Like we, it's, it's like there's a, there's a part of the film where John David Washington blatantly lies to Elizabeth Debicki just to get close to Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's quite surprisingly it's a, underhanded. Moment, it's, a, it's, isn't a, it? it's very underhanded in a way, and it's kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll help you, and he, he eventually doesn't. He thinks he's helped her, but he hasn't. Um, but up until then, there's again, you're right. There's not much to get emotionally invested with these characters as people. It's only during one or two final sequences that you could go, oh, I feel, I feel for those guys now. Yeah, I mean, there is a spot. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize this film too much because yeah. I, still, I still think the performances were very good. Oh yeah. And I, I thought the chemistry between um, Washington and Pattinson, in particular, mm. like I, I found, I found Robert Pattinson's character the most engaging, probably mm. cause, probably because he's just a bit flippant and a bit cheeky and charming. Yeah. So there's a bit, of, like, a bit more of a character there. He's not so dramatic though, darling, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to dream a bigger, dream a little bit bigger, darling, and don't be so dramatic. <laughs> to to clearly get Christopher Nolan style characters. <laughs> yep. Um, Are we going to give praise to Michael Caine playing a character called Michael? So, so, so Michael Cosby. Michael, <laughs> so Michael Cosby. Cosby. One scene for Michael Caine, but it's memorable. He, he's, and, and he's phoning them in. I mean, it's still a delight, but he is totally phoning that in. Did it, did did Chris Nolan say hello, hello, Michael? Um, we're filming a film down here in London. Do you want to come for lunch? All right, I'll be right there. Yeah. Do you think that was his actual lunch? That <laughs> diner scene. <laughs> no, he just casually goes. Casually just eating his food, and then Chris Van Olen and cameras up with an off. IMAX camera. <laughs> just goes, Michael, just keep eating and just have a chat with um, with Mr. Washington as he comes through. Okay. Do you think he had to take the front wall down to bring the IMAX camera in. Like? <laughs> well, no, they've actually, I think they've managed to get more of a handheld style rig to it now. Oh. It's still, if you've seen the behind the scenes stuff, it's still 
bloody big Monster. camera, bloody big camera. But um, but yeah, um, but no, I think another good question is how it stacks up against some of his other films. Now, and someone asked me about Interstellar, and Interstellar, there are bits that I think visually are impressive, and there are bits that I really like from an intimate level, like uh, the most sequence with McConaughey watching the videos. Mm. Those sequences are amazing. But it's not a film I instantly go out and think, I know I want to feel the power of cinema. I know I watch Interstellar. Yeah. And that's, that's not a knock. I think Interstellar is a decent film. It's just, it's not a film that I'm going to go, you know what? I want to I wanna enjoy the power of cinema. I'm going to watch Interstellar and I'm going to feel all good again. <laughs> it's not that sort of film. It's definitely right. not that sort it's, of film. It's a mood piece. You're, it's a mood definitely piece. Definitely in the right frame yeah. of mind. I feel Tenet is something I probably could watch a few more times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's definitely a first day purchase for me. Oh, yeah. Um, because again, it's like, it's it's more in line, I think it's closer to Inception in certain parts, but it's like, it's kind of like, it's like Inception light, I guess, in a way. Is that mm. fair to say, Inception light? Yeah, it, it feels, it feels like, it definitely feels like a companion piece to Inception. And mm. it's a, it's a, it's a, I think, unfortunately for Nolan, because he's built such an incredible body of work over mm. the last 15 years or so, yeah. that we're always going to unfavorably compare his work to previous films. And yeah. Inception was exceptional. Mm. It was a, a generally monumental achievement. Mm. And I, guess I, I watched it recently and I, I was still blown away by it. Mm. I, I think Tenet, I will always... I've, I can't imagine not enjoying rewatching it. But I think the spectacle will, will wear over the years. Yeah. While Inception, okay. it, Inception and the Dark Knight trilogy seem to have held on for me. Mm. Uh, Prestige, actually, odd enough, still seems... Um, I need to watch Prestige again. I haven't seen that in a while. I've been trying to watch it around watching Tenet, but I just didn't have time for that. Mm. Um, so it's worth watching for David Bowie being Tesla. Yeah, true. Love, I love my little Bowie um, cameos. So, yeah, I mean, I think for Nolan fans, definitely go watch it. Because, oh, yeah, it, because yeah. it's an it, it's an own film. It's a, it's an event cinema. You can't I mean, watch beyond it. Beyond that, I'd recommend it for everyone. I mean, I mean, people definitely have been wanting to see this. This made about five point. Uh, I'll just check my notes here because I have I have the numbers here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, Tenant came out to UK box office and uh, several international markets. It's not in America yet. It's out on September fourth, I believe, or well, actually September or tomorrow. Actually, I'm not sure, but it's definitely coming out this weekend in select cities. Uh, so. Tenant in its weekend period grows £3.27 million, 5.3 for the five day period beginning last Wednesday. So, £5.3 million for British cinema during a pandemic. During this pandemic, yeah. That's, that's quite impressive. Yeah. That's very impressive. And it's, it's interesting because normally we, we judge the success of a movie at a box office on weekends. Yeah. This, you're going to have to, we're going to have to wait till we probably a year to sort of. Because this is, this is going to be very much a, a slow run, isn't it? Mm. Um, well, yeah, because they're, they're, they're opening it at limited places across the US. So basically, if the, if the city's safe enough to screen the film in, in controlled social distancing measures, they will... Well, it's will. already made back about $50 million. Yeah, $54, mi- $54 million is the current international total. So it's, it's clawed back a quarter of its budget in one week in the mm. middle of a pandemic, and it's clearly going to be in cinemas for a long time. Mm. I mean, like, like I said, I'm taking Midge in a couple of weeks' time mm. to see it. And I think, yeah, I can't see... I don't think there'll be a physical release. Can you uh, imagine one before Christmas? No. May maybe a digital release. Yeah. Maybe a digital release just to say, hey, it's Christmas, watch Tenant with your family. Yeah. Try and explain tummy wimey stuff. <laughs> maybe maybe a physical release in March. Yeah, so, something like that. Because again, it's like Oh, do you know what would be a good option on the Blu-ray? Or what? Like play in reverse. 
Get out. Well, it's, <laughs> it's already a feature on a Blu-ray remote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but prop, but yeah, with the sound, like... Uh, you, so can, you some... can watch the backwards episode of Red Dwarf, Fords. It's called okay. Fords. <laughs> and it's great because the actors who are talking backwards, you realise they're talking absolute crap all the mm. way through it. Because they're... T- <laughs> <laughs> like Arthur Smith going like you'd have to be a sad wanker to watch this backwards and know what I'm actually saying wouldn't you <laughs> or worse that effect uh, um, so yeah Tenon, um I still I, I think Tenon is still a very good cinema experience for me I think mm. if you have the opportunity to see this film in the cinema and you're, it's safe to do so and you feel comfortable doing it by all means do go see the film we do I think we both still strongly recommend it absolutely but obviously in this time be safe. Be safe. It's the, at the end of the day, the film is still going to probably be at cinemas for some time. And yeah, like like we said, I I think this is kind of like it, it's going to be a slow burner film release, really, yeah. isn't it? So I don't. You don't have to worry about spoilers. It's not really a kind of. It's not really a twisty, shocking movie. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously there are twists and thrills, but not the not not the Marvel esque ones. That not are. not the sudden. <gasps> He was his dad all along. Not that sort. Oh my god, Thanos clicked everyone. And it's like, oh no, click. All that sort of stuff. Um, Should have gone for the head. Yeah, um, but the fact of the matter is, it's like you can't miss it. Cinemas at the moment. It's like I went to I went, every screen. I went. I went to. I went to the cinema in Reading um, to watch the second time round. It was like, when would you like to see it? 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 a.m. 10 a.m., 10 past 10, 10 20 past 10, half 10. Well, it's, it's kind of like, well, it's about three, it's just under three hours, uh, a showing with the ads and trailers. So, yeah, but it's it's taking up at least half of your cinema or three quarters. I think the one in Henley has taken up all three screens. <laughs> I'm amazed that there's any building in Henley aside from like a Tudor pub, uh, to be honest. <laughs> to, 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 to showcase the magnificence of his tenant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think with that in mind, let's go move over to star rating. Despite my reservations, I I still enjoyed the film both times, and I'm I'm quite comfortable giving this a five star. I think when you rank it against other Nolan five stars, it's not at the top. Yeah, it's definitely it's, not at the it's top. It's not Dark Knight. It's not Inception. No, but I I generally enjoyed myself the first time I saw it in IMAX. I enjoyed myself again watching it second time round and I think again like I said knowing how the universe works it's kind of it becomes a bit fun because you are you like I said you are picking out characters that are going forward and back back and <laughs> forward and you're going okay so that person's doing that now right and I picked out more more little details in the film that I thought I, 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 that I missed the first time round that I missed generally the first time round so I'm quite comfortable giving it a five star I was I was thinking four, four and a half because I think that it's not perfect. There are flaws, but I, f- I think you're right. I think I'm just being too harsh because comparing it to other Nolan movies. I think yeah. in the grand scheme of things, this is quite comfortably a five star movie. I feel mm. so. Yeah, I'm happy to stick with five stars. There we go. Seeing as I'm, I'm under the impression the next film we're about to talk about is not getting a five star review. Oh, you might be right there. You're not alone. Not anymore. Do you know what mutants are? Would anyone like to share their first time? Rain? I was 13. I thought it was a dream. I just lost control. Sam? I started panicking. People got hurt. Roberto? My girlfriend had burned her. Ileana? 
I killed 18 men, one by one. This isn't a hospital, it's a cage. It's important we find out your power so we can help you get better. Right, let's move on to our next and final review of the episode. Let's talk about The New Mutants. What's, that, what's its score on IMDb? Is that five? It's a 5.7 on IMDb Oh, for a X-Men movie. For, well, kind of an X-Men movie. We'll talk about that in a few moments. <laughs> but uh, yes, this is The New Mutants. Five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will fight to escape their past and save themselves. That, on a nutshell, sounds really, really encouraging, doesn't it? Um, now, this this film has had this <laughs> film has had production hell well it's had hell to get to the cinema screen it was supposed to come out in 2018 17 was it yeah. really yeah. oh blimey must consult the trivia page <laughs> hot trivia so this film has had five release date shifts originally slated to come out on April 13th 2018 it was first delayed to February 19th 2019 in order to conduct reshoots later it was pushed back again to August 2nd 2019 while Disney's purchase of Fox was finalised <laughs> it was pushed back yet again to April 3rd 2020 to make room for the release of Dark Phoenix See, on, on March 12th 2020 it was postponed due to COVID-19 on May 13th 2020 it's new release date of 2018th uh, August 28th was renounced and finally released. And here's the question, Ian. Was it worth the wait? No. <laughs> See, I, I, I hadn't realised this film was in production um, because I'd kind of fallen off the X-Men bandwagon, yeah. to be honest. The MCU took over my life. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of the Empire podcast and um, every month or so they make a joke about this film's never coming out. So I just assumed it was never going to come out. It, I, it felt like some executives had watched the movie for, all right, we need to change this. Oh, that didn't work at all. Let's bury it. Like Because I've, I've, I've seen rumours about studio executives wanting to Re- remake the film like from scratch really and uh, when I first when I first heard those I thought oh that's that's bollocks haven't watched the film I've, I'm convinced that's almost certainly true or that was definitely discussed yeah. as a possibility I mean Let's look at some of the ingredients of this film. It's directed by Josh Boone. Josh Boone has done The Fault in Our Stars which I actually liked I liked a lot I mean I haven't seen but working at the cinema when the film came out, it definitely made a lot of impact because there was a lot of crane people leaving the cinema screens. Did you have to mop up behind everyone? Just it was kind of, it's kind of like, it's so sad. Oh, I, I, I kind of it, guessed it's a sad film. It's but, a very sad film. The yeah. book's even more sad, apparently. Oh, okay. Like, I, 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 so I've sad. been next to someone who read the chapter that got me in the book and they just, they just started shaking and then... Mm. Waterfall. Tears, tears everywhere. Tears everywhere. So, so got the, the chap can clearly make a film. Mm. So what the hell happened here? I, I don't know. And again, you look at some... I mean, you've got Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Have we actually... Have we, sorry, have we actually explained the plot? Yeah, I, I explained. Five five young mutants who just discovered their powers. They're, yep. they're currently housed in a they're mental, in a, they're in the mental in an institution, institution yep. learning how to control their powers and try and come to terms with how they've become mutants and then escape. Yeah. 
But what we don't mention as well, but which we really should mention, is while the five are trying to come to terms with their mutant powers, uh, they all start seeing very nasty visions of their horrific pasts. So uh, it's like explosions in mines, uh, setting people on fire, uh, branding, all that sort of stuff. They're, the branding, we'll talk about it in a moment, but the, the branding scene was so the, ridiculous. The thing, the thing that sold me on seeing this film originally was the fact that the latest trailer gave it a good sort of, oh, this is kind of like, is this like a, an X-Men horror film? Okay. See, that's an interesting concept. I, I like that idea. I like that idea. I watched it. It is boring. Yeah. It is absolutely boring it's, until the finale bit. But it's basically, the way I'd sum up this film, it's imagine an episode of Hollyoaks, <laughs> right, with American accents, and they have the lamest superpowers known to man. Like, Maisie Williams' power is that she could turn into a dog. I thought, oh, cool, she's a shapeshifter like Beast Boy from Teen Titans. No, she turns into a little dog. That's nope, it. Turns into how how would she be useful for Professor Xavier? <laughs> like, oh, there's Magneto. <laughs> Seek him. <laughs> Come on, girl. Yeah. Oh, no, you're no. dead. No, no, that's a stick. No, put can the you, stick can down. You, <laughs> so, can you imagine Sabretooth? Or, or bloody um, Juggernaut coming up against Maisie Williams' little dog thing. Oh, God. It'd just be like, smash. <laughs> Over. It's true that none, none of the characters, aside from the... What's her name? Ileana Rasputin. Uh, Ileana uh, Rasputin, played by Anna Taylor-Joy. Yeah, so she's, she's clearly the most physically strong character. She's the only one with an... All right, let's, actually, let's talk about characters first, right? Okay. My problems with this film. Okay. Character. So each character feels like a really shallow identity tick box. So a character will be a representative of some minority. And when I first saw the cast and the characters, I thought, oh, that's really cool. We're mm. going to have these kind of, We're going to have a lesbian X-Men. We're going to have a yeah. Native American or Native Indian um, X-Men. Uh, you know, you've got a Latino. That's really interesting. Watching the film... That is their defining characteristics. They have no personality aside from their particular um, their particular identity and the trauma of their past. Mm. Those are, I mean, those can be powerful tools for establishing a character. Yeah. But they are not in themselves a character. Um, I'm going to be honest, I noticed those characters, they're not necessarily likeable characters either. I didn't take to any of them at all. Why would you? They're, they're, they're blank slates. They're, they're, they're hardly... There's nothing to... I will give Maisie Williams credit. Yeah. I, 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 found, I found her character the least dislikable. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, because you look at... You look at uh, who's is it Hemi, Hemi Zaga playing uh, Roberto da Costa in the film. One, yeah. And he's the guy who can turn... Who can, Go just turn himself on fire. He's basically human talk. Fire. He's he's basically just jock. It's just wealth, a wealthy wealthy dick jock. And uh, there's nothing. There's no there's no character arcs in this story no. whatsoever. They're all, they're all nasty to one another. Or they're all nasty in particular to to Moonstar. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we better do something together. Oh, let's all be friends. Yay! Yeah, it's it's just the 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 jumps in story, the the lack of character development. Uh, the, I mean, there's just. This is this isn't even. I, I normally criticise movies for feeling like a first draft, like mm. like I did with Unhinged. That was clearly a first draft script gone straight to production. Mm. These are the bullet points before you even write the first draft. <laughs> this oh, is the, this is like brainstorming session. Oof. And um, the, yeah, the, the characters that they're, they're not likable. 
they're they're cliches. They're it's not even. I've watched MTV teen dramas with better fleshed out characters than this. And it feels like it's definitely trying to tap into the sort of teen market. Ooh. It feels like it's a, a movie made for MTV viewers. Mm. But it's just, there's no reason to watch it. There's nothing compelling. Mm. And there's, there's there's so few characters as well. There's only f- about six altogether. Yeah, six. There's the five students and the, 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 and the doctor, played the doctor by who's clearly the antagonist. Mm. I, I don't understand how those five characters can overpower her kill her and escape especially if Rasputin's because she's clearly meant she's almost the main principal antagonist in this Mm. film Um, and she clearly has the power to overwhelm all of them yet she's somehow thrown into um, solitary confinement at will I don't understand. There was no, there was no real logical consistency because in these the, powers. Because the 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 story they're told as they come into the facility is, if you train, if you control your power, if you're able to be a stable person, we will move you. You will be able to be part of the X Men School for the Gifted and stuff like that. Now you think if you're trying to sell that lie. Spo- unfortunately for the spoiler, it's clearly not working for the X Men. <laughs> well, it's not even it's not even something they say. It's something one of the characters assumes, mm. and it's dropped. It's kind of like you would think for a villain, if you're trying to sell that lie to those characters, you would do more to to keep them on the straight and narrow. Instead of being really strict, you kind of go, oh, here's, here's a letter from, here's her, his report from Charles Xavier. He's very pleased with what you're doing at the moment. Keep it up, yeah. see how you go. No, there's none of that at all. It's just group therapy sessions of how it's like, <laughs> it's like, have you come to terms of how you've, Got it's, your powers. It's it's yes. basically a re- it's a poor man's breakfast club set in the X Men universe. It's true. It's and it's it's yeah. There's there's no reason to enjoy this film. There's the fire one. There's the supernova one. There's the nightmare one. There's the dog. <laughs> there's there's the there's the fantasy warrior with a hand puppet. Oh God! All of us together. Na 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 na. <laughs> It's, See, that would be a better film. It would be a better film. <laughs> another, another thing I have to criticise this movie is just how cheap it looks. Yeah. It looks like a... It looks like... I was going to say it looks like a student project, but I've, I've, I have student filmmaker friends who've made things that look incredible. Mm. This looks cheap and nasty and grey and just... It was, it was the 3Ds. It was dreary, drab and depressing. Like, Should we have that on a board for you to pull out next time? It's the 3Ds. Well, not three-dimensional. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out your 3D glasses. Yeah, okay. dr- yeah. <laughs> Merchandise. Oh, it was, it was the basically the cinematographer took one look at this grey mug and went, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And there's a weird another thing as well. The film has a weird snooty attitude towards the working class through um oh what's his name oh, uh, Charlie has Eaton's character Charlie Eaton's yeah Sam Gumfrey because he's a, he plays a coal mi- son of a coal miner and it's it's kind of implied that like that's a bad thing. Mm. Like, have, it, it's it's I, I, I think it's just again it's it feels like it's getting its messages confused. I think it's a very confusing message because on one side the character explains that he did it because that's what he's been that's how he's known his whole life and you yeah. can't understand that but then they kind of they kind of frown upon that because it's like oh but there's so much more than life than just mine is like says the uh, the affluent teenage Brazilian millionaire who's yeah. never worked a day in his life yeah that but sort the, of thing and, that, my, and that's why it's a bit weird yeah so yeah, the I like 
as you were saying earlier, there were interesting ideas. I like the idea of an X Men horror movie. Yeah, I like the idea of the their past traumas being the the um, the things they're can face forced to confront. Mm. It's just that the past things are kind of a bit samey. Mm. Seen it done before, and even the, the most traumatic experience um, presented. And this is probably spoiler territories, but you're probably not going to watch this after hearing us talk about this anyway. Mm. Maisie Williams' character is, from my understanding, she's Scottish and Catholic. And when her priest, a cardinal, I don't understand how a cardinal is her priest, but uh, when, when her when the cardinal discovers that she has this power to transform into a dog, he he gets a Brandon iron with a W on, a nice thick aerial W, not like, and brands her with it. And I'm like, have you been to like 21st century Scotland, one of the most and liberal, like, just the idea of that happening, just just. It, re- it really, it, it just completely detached the film you from any logic or grounding in you, reality. I know, I know, it's a fantasy comic book movie, but yeah. you need an element of something yeah, to grab. You, know, you kind of think, rather than them talking about their backstories, you kind of wish they showed it a little bit so yeah. you get an understanding. Even if it's like a flashback or something like that, you just get a general understanding rather than just the the horror envisions of their work of their. Of their past, the ludicrous coming, traumas. Yeah, that clearly would because, never happen. Because, because, yeah, it's like I think, I think the, the the more I think the more subtly traumatic thing that they've they pointed to was the smiley men. Mm. And the smiley men are are a little bit creepy. Voiced by Marilyn Manson, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you've got the yeah you've got the smiley men and they are creepy. But the fact of the matter is, it's like they're just kind of like, oh yeah, they just turn up. All right. <laughs> it's all window dressing. It's all that. All window dressing. All window dressing for the fi- the final threat, which can only be described as Ghost Bear. <laughs> <laughs> when Ghost Bear turned up, I was having the time of my life. <laughs> it was so naff. So naff. Because it's, it's all... It's meant to be... I presume it's playing with... Um, um, indigenous mythology. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. done so clumsily. That's like you look, think about Marshall Bravestar, the eighties cartoon, strength of a bear, that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, of I think the, the idea behind the bear makes sense. Well, I, 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 at, I get it. I get it. I but t- I tell you what, just despite how bad this film is, mm. stuff like that makes me want to read the comic because the mm. comic sounds good. If it if the comic is this but done well, yeah, I'm going to gladly read it. Mm. Um, but it's just a shame that if this is your if this is your first introduction to the new mutants or the new mutant series in that particular way, I because yeah I know nothing about the comic book series. All I know it's is very, it was it's very niche anyway within this. But the fact of the matter is, I if after watching the film, I wouldn't be inclined to to read the comic book. No, to be honest, I mean it's like it's kind of unfortunately the new mutants seems to have come along at a tail end of Fox just leaving the X Men to die it's because of the Disney merger. So strange that this is the final movie. Yeah, in the, it's it's I can't only think of if the it's like if the MCU finished on for the Dark World. <laughs> I think I think I, of... I think everyone would be in, no. It's like ending Batman on Batman and Robin. Well, that did kind of happen for well, a while. Well, it yeah. did kind of happen. I, I tell a lie, but um, um, it's. Because the the X Men series is a bit of a mixed bag. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I think the MCU there are some stronger MCU movies than there are, and there are some weaker MCU MCU movies. But I find, apart from Dark World, even a 
bad MCU movie is still quite a fun but like in my head a bad MCU movie is Iron Man 2 and I still love that <laughs> so I'm like Iron Man 2 isn't too bad it is yeah, a bit talkative yeah, yeah but it's I still you're not going to complain watching it yeah. a bad X-Men movie is this Last Stand Wolverine Origins which mm. I, actually I, I enjoyed but I could see why people never really I, I would probably still watch Origins Wolverine over this you, and that, I, that's, I, simply, I, that's simply because good camera by Ryan Reynolds who set himself up for Deadpool <laughs> Leave Schreiber's a decent sabre tooth yeah because it's like, oh, they're actually getting proper actors in to play villains. This is cool. Oh, wait. <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I can't. It's like, I, I'm not, it's like, I'm not watching this film again. I mean, it's like, I, it's like, I'm not, I wasn't that engaged with it. And when I was engaged with it, it was for the stupidest of reasons. Ghost Bear. Ghost Bear. And just the havoc Ghost Bear was causing at the end of the film. It was like, yay, Ghost Bear. This is the most <laughs> excited I've been in the entire film. And then the film ended, it's like, oh. I still don't understand how the security of these five potentially dangerous mutants is under one person who could clearly it's be like, overwhelmed by them. But they have they have the power of force field, though. And? <laughs> like, <laughs> clearly, clearly not strong enough force fields. No. Not fair enough. Like, oh, shall, we, shall we get this over and done with and give it a star rating? Two. Two. Yeah. yeah. No, I think two. I mean... I was, I was thinking one, to be honest, but... I mean, like I said, there are bits. There are bits that have promise. There are elements here that have promise. The execution is poor. It's mm. not engaging. It is. It gets engaging far too late. The characters are not particularly likable. Um, you you really the barely characters. You rarely get interested in the characters until shit really does hit the fan. That sort of stuff. It's it's just there's so many. There are good components here. They just haven't been put together. In a good order. Well, they haven't just been. They basically, they've just gone. It's kind of like you're trying to build. <laughs> this is like the weirdest. This is the weirdest comparison. You're trying to build a perfect shelf to put all your DVDs and Blu-rays on, and someone's looked at the instructions and looked at the screws and then picked up the screws and just thrown them out the window. <laughs> okay, build it. <laughs> that would do. That would do. It's slanted, and all the DVDs have fallen out. Exactly. Like, exactly. They put it in stuff. storage for three years. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we do have to bid adieu. Thank you very much for watching. We hope you enjoyed from raw don't worry if you've missed the episode it will be available straight away on twitch after this broadcast is finished and as well you can catch up on an audio version as well spoiler we hated the new mutants yeah so if you if you just join us right now new mutants did did not do well it's crap (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes oh more more it's because we're insulting new mutants dead dead oh hype train's coming oh Oh. hype train so we have a limited (laughs) time to get exclusive remotes which we haven't set up yet but we can do soon so uh 94 left of this uh hype train wow this is uh excellent Oh, I'm completely thrown by this it's like this is the power of twitch everything just goes goes off excitedly but yes we are going to finish properly now. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. Um, if you have missed the show, don't worry. It's going to be available on Twitch straight away. It'll also be available on a podcast as well in the upcoming few days. Uh, we've got plenty of exciting stuff lined up this week as well. Lizzie's back here on Sunday playing Dragon's Age. There's Big Stomp next Tuesday at 8 o'clock. It's host rules and I'm the host, so I am in control. So this is going to be a fun one. And uh, yes, keep your eye on bugzilla.co.uk for all things uh, to do with Twitch and Discord. We've got exciting plans coming up. It is something so do support us here on twitch every little bit helps it allows us to create 
such more fun, exciting content, more quiz smashes, all that sort of stuff. It's more all hairy there. legs. More hairy legs, and you're and you're kind of blending into the sofa, according to to Lizzie. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I am actually wearing the sofa. Yes. <laughs> I'm, just, I've got, I'm just kind of inverted, and so in, my legs in, are poking in, out. Inverted. Time invert. Oh no. 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 no, no, no don't no. confuse me. Don't confuse me. But yes. Until next time. Thank you very much for watching. Keep it cinematic. I have been Ian Bolton, and I have been joined as always by Christian R. Allen. Namaste. We'll see you soon. Adios. Bye.